Brother Holmes, come on. Be. Coming, and God bless you. You got your volleyball with you? I I don't use my trick volleyball. You got a trick volleyball? I use yours. Oh, thanks. So nobody will make an excuse. <laughs> you told me to tell a joke, and I was trying to think, what am I going to say? Well, it's a joke, really, when you think about it. It's, that it's all God, actually, that God is allowing me to keep doing this. Because how many believe we do get older? Raise your hands real high. Four old ladies were in a car, and they, they were going 16, and the policeman said, why are you going 16? Root number says 16. He said, no, ma'am. He said, that's not a speed sign. That's the root sign, Route 16. And he looked in the back seat, and the ladies in the back were as white as a ghost. He said, what happened to them? We just got off Route 150. That's what happened to them. <laughs> but you just never know what's going to happen. But I'm not the greatest driver. You can ask my wife about that. She tries to drive most of the time now. But I'm thankful for being here. I love your pastor and love all you folks. And pray God will use the meetings. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this church and for the fact that pastor has been so faithful for so many years. Lord, I pray that you would bless all of us and that you would just honor your word. Thank you that I was able to bring my wife today. And uh, thankful for her so much. In Jesus' name, amen. There's something sweeping around this world right now, and uh, I'm going to address it, and it's called apathy. And I've heard it almost everywhere I go. Why is there so much apathy? So I want to preach on a few minutes on how to get rid of apathy. How many believe we need to get rid of it? So how does this happen? I looked up what apathy meant because everybody's using the word. It means lack of interest. Lack of enthusiasm, by the way, enthusiasm comes from in God, enthusiastic. Lack of concern, unresponsiveness, detachment, coolness, and indifference, and boredom. Bored with everything that's going on around us. But I'll tell you what, this Bible can take us out of apathy. And I'm so glad it can. Uh, turn to Psalm 40 with me, and I'm going to show you how to get rid of apathy. In Psalm 40, verse 1. And I think what I'll do is pray again. I always pray twice in case I forgot that I didn't pray before. <laughs> but let's ask the Lord to help us. Father God, speak to us. Lord, your word is so powerful. And I pray that not one person would leave this service indifferent. But I pray that you'd break the spirit of apathy in this church and cause a real revival to come to us because of how great you are. Because, Lord, without you, we can't have a broke away, we can't break away from apathy without you and our love for you. Thank you for being a great God. In Jesus' name, amen. In Psalm 41, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined unto me. Aren't we glad God inclines to us? Wow. And he heard my cry. So even when we cry, he's willing to incline unto us. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my foot upon a rock and established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust 
and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. And then in verse 5, look at the first word, many. So everybody in the whole church say the word many. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. Now that's an interesting phrase, that God would think toward us. Thy thoughts which are to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Boy, I'm appreciative of what God has done for us, and we could never talk about it enough. There's so much that he does for us. It's more than can be numbered. How many believe God's been good to you? More than can be numbered. Now, there, do we appreciate this? Do we appreciate this? I was interested. I always like to do word studies. I make my family go crazy because I come up with these word analogies all the time. But I want you to see this one. Appreciate. What does that mean? When you buy a car, the, the car, they always say if you take it off the lot, it depreciates. In other words, if you just look at a Ford, it depreciates. But the truth is, when you, when you buy a car, it either appreciates or depreciates, but we know it depreciates. In fact, it loses $5,000 right after you drive it off the lot, they say. Well, how many believe God ought to never lose his value to us? God's value ought to increase every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And I pray a lot lately that God, as I get older and the aches come, God help me not to lose the fact that God is great. Now Marilyn Manson was raised in a church, went to a Christian school who worshipped the devil, and he said it all started when I got indifferent to God. I didn't appreciate what I had. And that's why he worshipped the devil and even sang rock songs to get people to, to uh, worship Satan. And he was raised around it. Why? He didn't appreciate it when he had it. I am so glad for my God and that we, so we ought to be appreciative of him. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good for his mercy endureth forever. Psalm 106.1 Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all his praise? Now, we ought to be so centered on how great he is. So thankful that God is great. And so when you think about this, this verse, that who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord and show forth all his praise? God is so wonderful that when we look at him, you can't be looking at him and have apathy at the same time because God is too good for that to be synonymous. So we ought to get our eyes off ourselves and on God. Now, is apathy prevailing? Yes, it is. A man on a plane was having a heart attack next to the window, and um, the paramedics tried to get there and help, and the, the guy in the middle seat wouldn't move. How many would agree that's apathy? And in God's house, in God's people, we believe there's a hell, but do we move from our middle seat? Do we get up, because how many believe... Going to hell is worse, absolutely worse, than having a heart attack because it's for all eternity in a lake of fire. So God help us to get out of our indifference, our apathy. Now what's the key to it? The key is thankfulness. But look, turn with me to 1 Samuel 17, and I want you to see something interesting. In 1 Samuel 17, 29, thank God for the Bible. How many believe the Bible has the answer for us? And in 1 Samuel 17, 29, 
Look at this verse. David killed Goliath, but I want you to see what motivated him. He was so thankful for God himself. And in 1 Samuel 17, 29, David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Now look at verse 45 and see what his cause was that made him go against Goliath. Then said David to the Philistines, Thou comest to me with a sword and a, with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. How many believe God's power is greater than any giant? Amen. And then he says this, and he brings out why his cause was so great. The name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. He had a heart for God. God was being defied, and that's what gave him the cause to go against the enemy. When I heard that Silent Night homo, homosexuals were actually singing this, Silent Night Homo Night instead of Holy Night, I said, we're in a day of apathy. When I heard that they were allowing in a public school uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, but Silent Night Holy Night was not accepted, do you know why? Because apathy. Uh, I'm, I'm glad for God. How many of you believe God ought to be elevated? Amen. Last week, I had a chance to speak to 600 students over in North Carolina. How many know where that state is? Raise your hand. I was here just a few days ago in, where was I? Ashboro. And they let me give the gospel a little bit in the public school there. And uh, 600 students, and I said, Jesus Christ is not a curse word. He's my savior. And they clapped, and a girl came up in tears. I was going to kill myself tonight, and now I'm not going to. Boy, we ought to elevate our God, and God, it ought to bother us that it's dangerous to sing Christmas hymns, but only Rudolph. How many are glad that God Almighty sending his son Jesus is certainly something we ought to love and respect? And because he's defied, we ought to have a cause because of God himself. Away in the manger, dangerous. Now, turn to Psalm 35 and look at verse 27. <clears throat> Psalm 35, 27 and we see why, how important it is to have a cause that will lift us away from apathy. But what should this cause be? In Psalm 35, 27, let's hear the word of God, not Holmes, right? Psalm 35, 27, let them shout for joy. How many believe God's people ought to have joy again? And, and shout for it, not hold it in, but shout for it. And, and be glad that favor my righteous cause. You say, why is the church not having joy? We favor our cause, our opinion, our thoughts, more than what he wants to be lifted up. So let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Now, isn't it interesting in this verse, the righteous cause of God is likened with the God being magnified. And then passion will come for God, which will result in us being passionate about whatever he's for, and he's for getting people saved. How many are glad there's no hopeless cause anywhere? And, and so the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which is lost. This is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. How many are glad he did or you wouldn't be here? But do we, how do we avoid being ap apathetic toward it? See God. Don't want him defied. You want him magnified. 
And then when he came near, remember when Jesus beheld the city, he wept over it? You know what I believe? I believe that when we have our eyes on God and we are so burdened to lift him up and elevate him that all of a sudden all the other things kind of disappear and we need to burn apathy away by being passionate for God and his cause and why he came here. Out of the highways and byways of life, many are weary and sad. Give us it was given to you in your need. Love as the master loved you. Be to the helpless a helper indeed. Make me a blessing out of my life. May Jesus shine. Make me a blessing to someone today. Now how is that going to happen to me? I've got to love God so much that his delight thyself in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of your heart. In other words, when we delight in him and how many believe there's nobody better to delight in than your wonderful Savior. Yeah. So when you delight in him, he'll put his desire in you so the apathy will go away. And that's the whole secret to it. That is the secret. Now, I know the world's getting pretty wicked and rotten. When I was speaking in the school, my wife uh, was listening to uh, something she let me hear. And I found out on chat rooms, these perverted people are talking to kids. And they're saying, send me some pictures. And they send the pictures. And then all of a sudden, they say, if you don't give me 500, it's going all over the internet. So I brought that out in the school last week. And the, the, the principal said, I want you in every school in the whole state of North Carolina. What a victory. How many believe that's a victory? And they want to hear the truth, but yet people are, are being so darkened. And the question is, are we passionate to get the truth to them? I must work the works of him that sent me, John 9. And I got this email not too long ago. Hang on to this one. I was planning my death a few nights ago. Before your assembly, I cut my wrist twice Tuesday. However, I'm not the least bit ashamed to say that I will no longer self-mutilate. Because of this message, I'm grateful you came to my school today or had gone through with my decision. All my life, I wanted to meet someone and see if anybody in this whole world really cared whether I was alive or would disappear suddenly. You, sir, have shown me there's hope in Jesus Christ and staying alive is now worth it. How many believe it is worth it? But how do we get rid of apathy? We love God so much that he burns his heart in us. There's no other way to it. There's no shortcut. There's no entertainment that can get apathy out. Everybody's trying it. How do we build the mega church by, by, uh, by doing all the, and they're getting so, I won't even go into it right now. It's another sermon, so don't miss any of them. But we have seen this. I've never lost the wonder of it all. How many believe it's still wonderful? Now, when it's wonderful to you, all of a sudden now, it'll burn in you. You'll love God and apathy will go away. Now, I was in a school. Uh, this is a perfect example. I was in a school and I was preaching on the cross, and everybody in the audience, I'd say 90% of them, were sitting there with their mouth open. You mean he had a crown of thorns for me? Do you mean he had his face you know, beaten for me and the beard pulled out? Do you mean he, it was like their, their mouth was open and they couldn't move? But then I noticed, out of a couple thousand people, I noticed one section where some of the, about maybe 20 or 30, were yawning kind of looking at their watch, indifferent. And I asked the pastor, do you know who was sitting in that section right over there? He said, our Christian school. How many believe apathy ought to go out the back door? 
and it can happen. When we say, many are thy wonderful works, many are more amazed over video games and Instagram than the one who created the universe. More amazed over the lights of our shopping centers than the light of the world. More amazed over a touchdown, the fact that God came down. More amazed over a ball in a basket than Christ going in someone's heart. More amazed by the newest computer than new life in Christ. More amazed by the latest vehicle than, the, than God's blessings in our life. Be thankful for how good God is. 550 references in the Bible on giving thanks. Give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make his deeds known among the people. Wow. Unto thee do we give thanks. Unto thee do we give thanks. He said it twice. And you know what? God only has to say something once for it to be important. And how many believe if God says it twice, we better listen to it. Give thanks, give thanks. For not thy name is near, and thy wondrous works declare. It ought to be like now, you know, I think it was Paul Revere that yelled out, the British are coming, and he made a declaration. But do we have that desire in us for God's wonderful works to declare them? Psalm 75.1. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and sing praises, O Thou Most High. We are in a thankless world right now. Uh, a boat submerged. Heads were bobbing up and down in one of our past things that happened. And a man was driving by and saw the heads bobbing up and down in the water. And he swam out and brought one to shore in ice cold water. Swam out again. He saved 15 people out of hundreds. He was in the hospital room. And in the hospital room, he was asking the doctor a question. Did, 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 did I do my best? He said, yeah, you saved 15 people. But the ice-cold water has made you paralyzed for the rest of your life for a wheelchair. But did, did, did I do my dead level best? Yep, you did. You saved 15 people. He put a smile on his face. Wow. They asked him years later, what was the one thing that was the most horrible thing about that day? He said, it wasn't what happened on that day. It was the fact that of all 15 people I saved, not one of them came back to thank me. How many are glad Jesus died for your sins? How much do we thank him for? A greater thing than, than being rescued from ice cold water is the fact that he would go to a cross and deliver us, and I might preach on hell sometime this week, but deliver us from the lake of fire forever. What a great God. And we ought to have our eyes on him. Now, it makes us mad when we look at the news. And we can get angry and feel like throwing a brick through the TV. How many of you have ever been there? Raise your hands. But all it will do is produce smoke. You can get mad as you want at how bad it is. And we all ought to get mad at sin. But the truth is, it won't take away apathy. It'll produce more unless we get our eyes back on our God. So we must look to him all the time. Somebody came to me once and said, we're on the Olympic team. Would you play on our Olympic team? And we'll let you rotate and play one position. I said, that'd be like a vacation for me. But I said, I'm not interested. And they said, how come? I said, because I've got a message. I've got to get out there. I've got the eternal message. How many believe that's a great message? 
And I thank God for all of you, many of the friends that I've seen through the years, and Brother Morris back here, and, and, and I'm just so grateful for all of you. But my question is, do we really want revival? How many want revival? It'll only come as we magnify our great God and realize how wonderful he is. Now turn to Acts 20 with me. And I want to show you something in Acts 20 that I believe is the secret to getting rid of apathy. A lot of people are giving up and quitting. But I want to show you in Acts 20 what I believe is the, will bring out to us what the real secret is to getting rid of apathy. And of course it's being God-centered, having our eyes on how great God is. But look at Acts 20, 22. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem. Knowing the things that shall befall me there. He was bound in the Spirit. The Spirit was directing him, knowing that things were going to happen. Save the Holy Ghost, witnesseth in every city, saying, Bonds and afflictions abide me. He's going to have stripes. He was going to be shipwrecked, stoned, weariness, painfulness. But look at verse 24. All these things caused me to be apathetic. No, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus. Here's the reason. To testify the gospel of the grace of God. So it was the grace of God that moved him to go in spite of the being shipwrecked in weariness and painfulness. It was the grace of God that moved him. How many believe we ought to be so moved that we don't move? Amen. Away. <laughs> right? We ought to be so moved by God's grace. Then we'll be steadfast, unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Is no, you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. But the secret is you've got to be so moved by what God has done that you can't help but say, Many are thy wonderful works, which thou hast done. Now turn to Ephesians 3 with me and look at verse 16. We're going to use a lot of Bible because how many believe the Bible is the only thing we need to hear? So in Ephesians 3.16, let's just use a lot of scripture and try to stay right on the subject. And I believe having our eyes on God, this is what will happen to us in Ephesians 3.16. And I'm preaching to me as much as you. We all need this. We're in the last days, all of us. There's no one that doesn't need this. Ephesians 3.16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by the spirit and the inner man. Now watch verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. Now we know that Christ saves us. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He lives in us. But he might dwell in our hearts by faith. That ye, the believer, being rooted and grounded in love. Boy, what's going to keep us rooted? When we see the failure of one another, what's going to keep us from church hopping? What's going to keep us strong in these last days? How are we going to be rooted? In love. In other words, when you comprehend God's love and you say, boy, God, I can't believe I'm saved. I can't believe that you would save me the wicked sinner I am and keep saying it all the way through your whole life. Yeah. And then apathy will go away because you're going to be rooted in love. Thy loving kindness is better than life. Therefore, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. In other words, while I live, I'm going to keep saying I'm amazed by all this. I am in awe of it. How many of you are still in awe that God would save you? 
Have you ever looked at a mountain and you were in awe at the beauty? We were coming through North Carolina, windy roads, beautiful back. Have you ever said, wow, what a creator, what a God that made all this? That he would even think about adopting me. Now, I was adopted as a baby. And I was amazed that my parents would pick me out of a row of children. But you know what? When I got saved, I got adopted into the best family in the world. How many believe God's family is the best family in the world? And you know what? When you can say, God, you, you adopted me twice. And my salvation isn't based on performance. I tried to perform for my father all the time, and it just never could seem to please him. And so, no matter what, God says, I love you because I love you. And how many are glad it's not based on our goodness or on our performance? But do we love him because he loved us? To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. You say, what's the answer? Meditate on his love and don't, keep, don't ever lose sight of his love. His love is amazing. It is undeserved, unconditional, unchanging, unalterable, unspeakable, unquestionable, and unstoppable. When a principal told me 85% of my school is being raised by grandparents, I wonder how many of them feel like they've been absolutely rejected, but I'm glad if you're in Christ and accepted in the beloved, you are made a child of the King. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed us that we should be called the sons of God, 1 John 3, 1. So if you feel like getting rid of apathy, which I pray we all do, then we've got to constantly remember when we're hurt, you love me, God. Yeah. Trials, you love me, God. Yeah. When I can hardly walk in a church because my back is hurting, you love me. No matter what we're going through, how many believe God loves us? Amen. And you'll be rooted and grounded, not flipping away from your heart, too. You can be here and, and not really be here. God is love. And it is impossible for God not to love because he is love. I'm a prisoner in his love and can, can't escape. I'm a hostage in his love and he won't release me. I am handcuffed to his love and there's no key. I am chained to his love and can't be let go. What a God. And he wants to continue to love us. All the way till we see him. And let the fact of that cause you not to be wearied and faint in your minds. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Wow. And is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. So our eyes are on what? Christ. Our eyes are on the fact that he bore a shame. Our eyes are on the fact of how wonderful his salvation is. And then it says, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. That's the answer right there. Be overcome by Christ that you won't be overcome by the world. Amen. Be so getting rid of bitterness because you love Christ. I will serve thee because I what? Love thee. Do we love him today? What's the answer? Apathy's prevailing. How am I going to get rid of this indifferent spirit I have inside? 
looking unto Jesus, period. Some of you look at hypocrites, and you know what? You've gotten apathetic, cynical. No, look unto Jesus. How many believe he never fails? Never fails. Say the word never like you mean it. If he never fails, then God help us to come to the revival and find out all kinds of things about him so we can realize he never fails. And I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to be moved away because I was meditating on, and I, I never get, in every single public school in the last 40 years, uh, in all 6,000 of them, my goal was to try to get them there to the evening rally where they could hear the gospel. And how many believe the only way somebody can have victory is through Jesus Christ? And I saw the kids, and I saw what they were going through. Forty of them lining up, ready to show me their razor blade cuts. And I realized that everybody has a lot of need out there. Just go to visitation where my wife visits every week and see what those kids are going through as their parents are taking their drugs. A lot of heartache. But we have the way, the truth, and the life, and how many believe he's still the answer? Amen. So God help us to say, Lord, I want to don't forget. I don't want to ever forget what he did on the cross. Now, I've given it to millions, but you know what? I'm not going to get used to the crown of thorns. At least God help me not to get used to it. Lord, I don't want to forget that your back was beaten 39 times with a cat of nine tails. Nine straps coming out of one whip in broken glass and metal, and they would beat him and pull it 39 times. I don't want to get used to that. I don't want to get used to the fact that having been beaten so much that his whole front and back, were the skin was hanging in ribbons, I don't want to get used to the fact that that wasn't the end of the story. I don't want to get used to the fact that after they beat his back 39 times, spit in his face, they were spitting at God, because how many believe God was made manifest in the flesh, and Jesus wasn't just a religious teacher, that was God Almighty walking among them. And when he went to that cross, before he even went there, they spit at him, beat him 39 times. Pulled his beard out. The Bible says they plucked the hair off his cheeks, and I'm sure they didn't go like this. I'm sure they grabbed it like this and pulled it out, and he never said one word. He came as a lamb to the slaughter and opened not his mouth. How many of you are glad our God doesn't retaliate? But I don't want to get used to that. That's even before he went to the cross. And after they beat us back, time to wear your royal robe, majesty. And they put the purple robe on his back, and the Bible says later they ripped the robe off of him. Take a Band-Aid off a cut. You know what it feels like. Can you imagine that whole robe being ripped off your back? And he never said one word. Did you hear that? Not one word did he say against them. Is that all? Time to carry a cross! And they made him carry that cross up the hill, lost all kinds of blood even before he was crucified. They got him to the top of the hill and they put him down on the cross and they spiked his hands and they spiked his feet. And when they picked up that cross, they must have dropped it pretty fast in the ground because the scripture says every bone in his body pulled out a joint. 
He's on that cross with every bone out of joint, and then he makes a statement, finally. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And how many would agree with me there's more love in that statement than any statement anybody's ever said in history? People ask, how come you've played all these games? How come you've gone to 6,000 schools? Not for volleyball, but for the fact that my God came down to earth, and he could have preached to homes growing up. Repent or perish. He said, but I love you enough that I'm going to come down to earth. I'm going to die on that cross for you personally. And I, I mean, I, I know God could have screamed at me from heaven, but how many are glad he came among us? And if you can get to where you love that so much and you don't take your eyes off of how great the grace of God is, the grace of God will teach you to deny ungodliness and worldly lust that you might live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. The answer is not, how can I muster up service for God? I don't think there was a time in my heart when I was with my wife several times when I'm not traveling and seeing kids and families and what they're going through that I wasn't weeping inside thinking, wow, has God been good to us for saving us and help these people to be saved. You don't know what people are suffering. A principal came up to me. I, don't, I guess I'll say it. There's not, it's just amazing. The principal come up and I had just mentioned the word suicide in a school and just mention the word suicide. The whole middle school started weeping uncontrollably. When it was over, the principal said, you're probably wondering why we were all crying so hard when you just said suicide. Well, we have a classroom a couple doors down from the gym where a seventh grader just shot himself. And we haven't cleaned up the room yet. Wow, how many would agree people need Jesus? Father, I thank you for starting this revival with a truth that I pray we will never forget. And that is, be moved so you won't move. Lord, we're seeing churches emptying out across America. Why? Because they've gotten apathetic. And Lord, they're sitting at home now, maybe tuning in on live stream here and there, but not coming bodily to revival meetings and encouraging each other and exhorting each other. God help these dear people this week to get a message from you that you are wonderful, you are great, your grace is incredible. And dear God, I pray that that truth will burn out apathy. How many would say today, um, and, and we all can raise our hands because at times we do get apathy, but how many of you would say, I've been challenged today to keep my eyes more focused on how great God is? Raise your hands. And by doing that, I want that to remove the apathy. Lord, we can look at the needs of people around us. I can see that school weeping. I can see 40 kids lining up showing me their razor blade cuts after an assembly. But Lord, seeing all of that and being burdened for all the people are going through will not get rid of my own apathy as much as me saying, God, thank you for saving me, like I said years ago when I first heard a gospel message at a camp. And I pray, Lord, in my life that I'll be able to keep going till I see you face to face and not have apathy in my heart. Lord, sometimes we think, well, if I get real angry at sin... 
real angry at transvestites going in our elementary schools, maybe that'll help get away apathy, but all it does sometimes is create more because we're not focused on how God can save anybody and that his mercy is great and his kindness is great. So help me to still keep looking at the world and being angry at what sin does to people. But dear God, help me not to be angry at the people to where all of a sudden my eyes are on people and the apathy is getting stronger and stronger. Now, you would agree, I'm sure, that this country right now is in a mess because churches are full of apathy. So make it your prayer. We'll have a little silent prayer. Whenever pastor feels led to close out the Sunday school, I'll have him come and just ask God to work in this week. Can I ask you something before we pray? How many of you, with your heads bowed, would raise your hand and say, I don't want to have apathy this week. I want to come every time the doors are open to this revival meeting. Raise your hands. I want God to help me. Now, if you know in your mind there's something that's going to keep you away one or two of the nights, maybe ask God to remove whatever it is so you could be here. Not because you want to hear Bob Holmes, but you want to see it, your God lifted up high and holy and, and just pray in, in the next few minutes in silence that God will help you get rid of apathy and that you'll be out every night. Thank you.